Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who, and I'm sure I've done this intro before, was part of the Prawn Sandwich Brigade mm, well, for the Brighton game. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. It, it is true now, even if it wasn't true when you did it before. Yeah. Mm. Um, huge, huge thanks to Chris, uh, a listener and subscriber who who got me a premium ticket um, to sit, you know, West Arpa fancy, and not only one premium ticket, but in the end, Chris couldn't make it himself, and so I had a spare, and I took my dad. So my dad, um, he he waited a long time to get a season ticket, and he enjoyed his season ticket for three years. We moved to the new stadium, and um, he sort of got priced out of his, his mm. former position, so he moved to where the season ticket was cheapest, everyone's standing all the time and his knees have since given out and he can't stand all the time and the journey takes a toll on him so he doesn't really get to go to spurs anymore but i took him to uh to the premium what is it strava strava west (laughs) whatever whether you get an elevator to the top floor and there's a restaurant and there's guaranteed food for free which is good because of his diabetes and Mm. uh you know the you've got excellent sort of hotel-esque toilets and uh yeah i really really nice say that like as much as i as much as i definitely think that you know football is a working class sport and a a real match day experience is in the dirt and and singing and all of that kind of stuff um this was a really nice way to be able to accommodate my my old man so uh yeah nice day out and also there was some football that happened or whatever i don't know (laughs) were they were they singing we want levy out in that area they weren't they weren't they i think the only time we sung along was for pochettino but i could hear the levy out chants pretty clearly yeah really even in there up there they were singing for pochettino Mm -hmm. Mm. well we'll do some poch talk a little later um i want to give a shout out to cj cj your brother wanted us to wish you a happy birthday thank you to both of you for listening to the pod and supporting us hope you had a fantastic birthday um anything you'd like to shout out bardy i mean we're all doing it (laughs) Um, no, I just want to shout out. I hope everyone had a good Easter. Very nice. Very nice. Um, so let's, let's get stuck into Brighton. Um, absolutely infuriating team selection because it was the same team again that struggled against Everton with, once again, two goalkeepers on the substitutes bench. What the hell? Um, I saw that. My heart sank. I thought, what are these cretins doing? Um, and I was in a bad mood, to be honest, before the game. How did you guys feel about it? What were you? What did you expect? Did you expect something different? I mean, I thought, given how poor the Everton game was, I thought they have to do something different. Even if it's like tinkering around the edges, maybe maybe Saar plays. Um, I thought there's a chance they might move to three five two using Saar. As it turned out, we did play some three five two kind of. Um, I thought Dan Juma might maybe come in. Um, in my heart of hearts, I wanted. A back four. That's what I really wanted to happen. But same again. Well, same again on paper. I I saw the team news and I thought, oh, that's going to upset a lot of people. But also, I was enjoying some delicious free foods. <laughs> enjoying a lovely view. I was looking forward to watching Deserby's Brighton play from a, from an excellent angle. And I thought, ah, oh, whatever. And then we did. We played a we played a 3-5-2 to start. So Kulosevsky dropped into midfield and, and Kane and Son played at the front too. Um, yep. So Deserby's Brighton... Deserby maybe generally hmm, that's one to go back to they've struggled against 3-5-2s um, shout out to uh, Udov who is um, very much on the case whenever I mention <laughs> um, uh, Brighton uh, uh, and, and preparing for them he says oh, I bet you'll play 3-5-2 and, and twice we have done um, so that's been really interesting. So this is to do with Deserby Brighton's build-up shape, right? They're building a two and a two, um, two centre-backs yeah. playing into two centre midfielders. And so if you're playing a 3-5-2, you can match up man-for-man your centre-forwards on their centre-backs, your two number-eights on their two number-eights, and then you've got a bonus midfielder, um, where the, and also you've got the wing-backs against the full-backs. So mm. that gives them some problem. Um, it also, I think, significantly benefits Sun because he does a lot less receiving back to goal, a lot more running in behind, yeah. um, invites Kane to drop, all of that kind of good stuff. Um, Kulosevsky gets on the ball earlier. <sighs> maybe, maybe there's a case that 
Um, because Kulusevsky's running further, doing more graft, that when he does arrive in the final third, he's a little more fatigued and maybe his final ball was slightly off against Brighton. Um, but I really liked seeing us adapt in that way. And then, let me see if I can work it out, the timing, based on my tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted this 19 minutes past three. So, yeah. <laughs> and then after 15 to 20 minutes... um. Brighton adjusted and they started building up in a in a three and a two. But by then we were up a goal, so we could drop back and not yeah. press them at all, which is what they want. Um, so I, I thought that was I thought that was quite interesting. I thought that was quite interesting. And it does make you wonder if that's a Mason Stellini um, initiative because it's not yeah. something we saw Conte do very often. Well, hmm. we did play the three five two last time against Brighton, so. There's That's clearly a sort of um, a bit of Italian knowledge going on there. Of, yeah, a bit of knowledge there that that's that's a good way to play against him. But what we hadn't seen before, what I've been calling for since last season, is to see us use Kulusevski in midfield, yeah. and I feel like that is something that that Conte is too rigid to, to have done. So um, I was quite pleased. I was quite pleased. I was really pleased actually to see that. Okay. How about you, buddy? It, I think I think it was a very Antonio Conte game where Brighton were the better team, but we walked away with three points, which is kind of very Conte and something I, I'm not totally against. I'm always I've always been a bit more of a result over the over the performance, so I'm I'm okay with that. I thought Brighton were, were very good. I thought they played nice, had some good ideas, but I think ultimately, I, if I say we deserve the points, I think we probably. Maybe they should have had a penalty. But I thought we did okay, given the <laughs> circumstances of how our team is, the players we have, the options we have. Kulisevsky playing central was nice. Dan Juma coming on and had a he had a decent cameo. He gave us a little bit of a little bit of energy. I thought there was some real bad points, but I thought there was some real kind of okay points. And we, we just had enough in Sun. Sun's one moment of brilliance. Well, he had two actually, the nutmeg and the goal, and then Kane's kind of clinical finishing. So it was all right. Right now, those are the three points. I'll take those kind of three points from now to the rest of the season I think we'll be okay. well, well this okay. is this is the thing isn't it we're just so desperate for points on the board to try and scrape into the Champions League and possibly even try and scrape into the Europa League um with the way things are going um I thought we were absolutely terrible to be honest I thought we were really 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 poor I thought Brighton Brighton play a, a risk reward game don't they? they they leave themselves quite exposed defensively um and they do that on the basis that they can outman you in midfield and, and uh create overloads um and create confusion and create good shot creating passages of play and thought they did that really well Hmm. they Um, did do it they did do it well but I always felt confident that we would be able to catch them that they would leave us enough opportunities to to score and and beat them that way it's very strange Deserby plays this beautiful football and it it is great to see but I don't know how that would translate to Tottenham I don't I don't know whether we would be so can can a club can a club like Tottenham just just embrace this can we go out there and just be this kind of open team that really goes for it but remains quite open at the back and is probably going to lose quite a few games. I don't. I just. I just don't see Deserby's football translating to a team like Tottenham. Is Unless, is that not what we had under Harry Redknapp and then early Mauricio no, Pochettino? No, no, no. Let's not. Like, Harry Redknapp. Everybody goes on about the gallivanting football. Harry Redknapp had a couple of gallivanters in in Bale and Modric who were incredible. But it wasn't. It wasn't front foot forward football. It was what. It was Lennon. It was. We had a lot of pace, a lot of legs in the team. But there was a lot of times where we got stodged up. Everton, Wigan the holes, the West Broms and all that kind of stuff. Pochettino was a beautiful defence with a good midfield and, and, and a, a potent attack, but I just don't know whether or not the Zerbi's kind of open football, because it is really, really open. It is really high risk. I'm not sure if that translates to Tottenham or a top team, unless you can balance it with individuals like City. See what, you see what I'm trying to say? Like Liverpool could play this way when they had like Van Dijk and the rest of them on their top form. But can we do it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would work for our current crop of players. I mean, I, th- I thought, I, I think based on how De Zerbi is implementing it this year, and even based on this game, I think, I think he's getting. I think he's making it work for them. I, th- I mean, essentially, the only reason we won this game is because of bad decisions. Like Brighton have literally had an apology from the Premier League because they should have had a penalty. 
arguably they should have also had a goal, maybe two goals uh, that were disallowed. I think Matoma's was a handball was a good call on on Matoma. I I don't. I think the other one was a better call. I think the Matoma one that's chest in my opinion. That's chest and and maybe a little shoulder. Um, I, I reckon if that if that wasn't disallowed initially, I think that stands. My um, my sister, who in real Spursy fashion has decided to get properly into Tottenham, just as her husband's team are top of the league. Um, <laughs> she 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 dropped this golden nugget. She said, "Can't be playing football with your hands." And then you can't be playing football with your hands. So fuck <laughs> off, Brighton. You scored two handball goals. It don't count. Forget about it. You can't be sat there complaining. Oh, we scored two good goals. You use your hands. Shut up. So that's fine. They should have had a penalty. Hjoberg for the first time, decided to try and tackle someone and properly wipe them out in the box. That was a penalty. But we've had, we've had some ghost penalties given against us and some penalties not given for us. And I hate the term they swings and roundabouts, but that's a, that's a big old swing and a roundabout. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Brian have um, have received three official apologies for, for refereeing uh, this calendar year so far. Um, so they're feeling pretty hard done by. I mean, most football fans, most of the time, are feeling pretty hard done by, but it does feel like Brighton have a bit of a case. Um, but what was hard done by? The Mitoma penalty? So so two two handballs, um, which, yeah, you know, <laughs> they could have they could have got by with them, yeah. And then a couple of decent penalty calls on us um, that they that they could have had one one very strong one in this game. I, I mean, I, I I thought we were outplayed. Completely, I thought. I thought we 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 did some good stuff on the um, counter. I thought that we counter. did have a threat on the counter in this game. To be fair, which and, is, and, um... and that's primarily. So Jeff Fields end uh, has pointed out that the three five two shape led to Son being higher and central. Mm. Um, alongside Jeff, uh, Sina Iranikal has linked us very kindly to a post on uh, R slash Coys Reddit Coys. Um, where Sonny is interviewed, I think, by the Spurs play team post-match. And he points out that he can't normally shoot in this position because they don't want him to shoot. Normally they want they want him to be in the middle to receive a cross. They want the wing back to be 1v1 against his man and for him to be in the box to, re- to receive a cross. Uh, and it seems like a sort of, as Sinner puts it, a passive critique of the system. Uh, and it does come across like that when you watch the clip and Son's kind of saying, if I get the opportunity and I'm allowed to shoot here, I know I can score the goals and I will score the goals. Just look at last season. Uh, it was an outstanding, absolutely outstanding finish. There was so much bend on that finish. The, he said it incredibly wide and, and bent it in. It was brilliant. But do you think, Nathan, the switch to three five two was primarily to stop Brighton's build-up? Yes. Or, okay, I was oh, going to say got... to, to free up, to, or to free up Son. Well, this is the, the very happy second, <laughs> uh, you know, additional benefits that we have. Yeah, yeah. Like the thing is, like I believe the reason we use the three five two in this game is for defensive reasons. Also, in mm. other games, we should have used the three five two to make better use of the the the. Um, the profiles of the players in our attack right <laughs> especially sun so um we got the added benefit of it better suiting sun in this game having said that the goal that he did have was back in the left channel but it was in a situation where because we'd moved the ball about in whatever way we'd done it he was able to face towards their goal as he had the ball and was it veltman because veltman for some reason stood way off him well, stood a bit off him. He gave Sonny a touch in field, which is like you never ever do that. That's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the worst thing you can possibly do. Mm-hmm. So the problem is like Son has been receiving the ball back to goal, and every opposition team knows don't let Sonny turn, never let Sonny turn. He's rubbish if you keep him facing backwards. He's an instant goal threat if you let him turn. So mm-hmm. the teams have been incredibly good all season at not letting him turn. Um, there's not. To me, there isn't a problem with him receiving in the left channel. The problem is him receiving back to goal, right? So we have to manipulate the opposition and feed him a sideways or backwards pass. That's 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 what worked out in that situation. Also, outside of that moment, he was largely playing more like a forwards, playing more like to get in behind and doing much less build-up play involvement, back to goal stuff. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, Antonio Silva also pointed out the same thing with the change in shape to benefit Son and he adds on the other hand I felt Spurs were too open defensively with the 5-3-2 shape which in my opinion explains why they switched the shape back to 5-4-1 I think the coaching staff are clearly aware of the need to change up Son's role from Conte's 10 so I'm hopeful they try to switch things up further in the rest of the season and I think we would all agree with that we're desperate for Son to have less of the ball with his back to goal and more of the ball when he's facing goal running at defenders terrorising them and getting shots away which is Son at his best for sure. Um, the match was a, a, a three o'clock Saturday kickoff, a, a rarity for Spurs these days, and also meant it wasn't selected for television. But uh, I know where you can watch Saturday three o'clock games, uh, NordVPN, who are our partners again this week. Uh, over to Bardi. Defence is an art form, isn't it, Windy? Yes, Bardi, it's really important. As you know, Wendy, I'm Italian, so defence defense to me is the most important thing. I want my defence to be more Maldini and less dire, and I want my internet browsing to be as solid as the World Cup winning backline of 2006. That's why I trust NordVPN. It's graceful and brilliant. Threat protection is one of their security solutions. This defends you from everyday online cyber threats, like malware and trackers. Imagine that, Wendy, a defensive solution that tracks threats. Doesn't just wave an arm at it or let it float in behind them. It also <laughs> stops intrusive ads and stops you from landing on malicious or naughty websites for just the price of a london coffee you could get a vpn that tackles proper Bardi there using our partnership to forward his uh, anti-hoibier agenda i love it um <laughs> grab your exclusive nordvpn deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash inch to get a huge discount off your nordvpn plan and four additional months for free it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And as I said, you can use Nord to essentially stream football. You can you can set your location to another country's where they show the three o'clock games and you can happily watch three o'clock kickoffs on a Saturday afternoon. Lovely stuff. Um, there's lots more to talk about this game. I, I want to start with... Deserve is a dickhead, isn't he? Well... He's Italian, so he's temperamental. He's he's very Latin. Um, he was upset, and I, 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 how am I defending a, a, a manager? It's not even our manager. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already defending him. Um, yeah, he can get upset. He he's passionate. He loves it. He's a passionate man. But yeah, he was rightly upset. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? He, based on the uh, the officiating. Brighton received in this game and recently he had a right to be upset but also he was upset in advance of those things happening right he came out upset was the game delayed yeah. because of him kicking off I don't it? think no the game was delayed because there was an issue with the referee and okay, the connection to the device okay. yeah, yeah I wasn't sure but so it seems like Stellini in the pre-match conference was asked about Brighton spoke oh yeah you know they've been doing good stuff um Potter built a really good squad and deserve he's taken him to an even better place. And then, um, you know, Italian shit stirrers Gazetta uh, published like <laughs> Stellini um, says deserve is exploiting Potter's work. And so, and so deserve you know, been, been headline baited and uh, got really mad at Stellini when in reality, Stellini was nothing but complimentary. So, you know, mm-hmm. on, um, on June, so on Good Friday, I did a, a lot. Been doing a lot of allotment, and um, I was chatting to my wife, and my wife was like, "How can how can you guys just sit around and talk about football like all the time?" <laughs> and I, I I tried to say to her, "It's like it's like a soap opera. So every team is its own individual soap opera. So everything's going on at Tottenham. We have our own storylines, our own kind of drama, and everything else. And then it's the same at every other club. And then there's moments where two clubs will play a game, and then the, the stories intertwine and mm. create a new set of stories." And this is what we keep talking about. So on Saturday, for example, this is what I said when I came home from the football. I said, like, we had the Tottenham story. No manager. Who's going to be next? You've got Brighton, Zerbi. Could he be the next Tottenham manager? And then he gets sent off at Tottenham and everything else. It's incredible the amount of kind of WWE narrative and <laughs> fighting and chest pumping that happens around football. It's, it's quite incredible. So, Wendy, let me do this. Let me do this. Um, what did you think of Brighton's football? I really enjoyed watching Brighton. Yeah. What do you think now of De Zerbi as a person? I think he is a, a petty, angry little man. Mm. And how does that make you feel about any prospects remaining that there is of him being Spurs manager in the immediate future? 
I definitely feel worse about him being the Spurs manager now as a result of this. Do you think we've so had I, enough hot-headed Italians? I've definitely had enough of this alpha bullshit on the touchline, yes. Is it Is it? I don't know. Like, So Graham Potter would, wouldn't have done anything. He would have just stood there and just accepted it nice and quiet. As Stellini did, to be fair. I, I think... Um, I, yes, I mean, St- this is this is worth pointing out. Stellini got sent off for essentially failing to control his yeah. staff. He did nothing wrong in the in, in the situation, but as the manager, he has to take ultimate accountability for it. So it he was gets all the Englishmen. It, it was. was Mason and all the other. It was all your other bacon sandwich brigade on the, on the <laughs> bench that started fighting. It was nothing to do with the Italians. No, no, the Italians started it, Vardy. The Englishman f- finished it. Italian just uh, waved his arms around, and all you English lot got upset. I, I, I think um, I thought he was pathetic. I thought he was absolutely pathetic. There is a quote in the press conference that I did think he could could be a little put out by, which is um, he was asked about Stellini. This was asked about the differences between De Zerbi and Graham Potter, and Stellini says that De Zerbi is not fluid tactically like Potter. De Zerbi is more a manager consistent in the way he wants to hurt the opponent. I'm taking this from Alistair Gold's piece for mm. Football London. Um, and I and I think that it, that could be seen as slightly patronising. Um, I don't think it is, and I think Deserby knows better than that being an insult. To yeah, be honest. yeah, precisely. He's, he's getting riled up about nothing, in my view. It was it was not a good state of affairs uh, to see how the the coaches essentially te- the coaching staff of both teams essentially fighting on the touchline before the match even started, and then during the match, it was pointless and petty and pathetic. What about when Martin Yol squared up to Wenger? How did you feel about that? Loved it, absolutely loved <laughs> so, it. Completely what, just, out of character. Um, and like the, it? the the thing is, it's like Martin Yol is a gentle giant and a, and a complete gentleman on all at all times. And one time he got pushed too far, and and he let Wenger know uh, that he wasn't going to stand for it. And I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. He, it was like he was standing up for our honor. Uh, against Wenger this wasn't what, that this was Deserby was standing up for his, his honour wasn't he okay well <laughs> sure okay so he's, he's he's misinterpreted an interview um, or he's deliberately interpreted it in that way to mm. kind of get fired up maybe um, one way to deal with that is to go and have a little chat with Stellini P game and say what was all that about me what, what are you saying about me like why are you why are you talking about my managerial style like that what's going on and Stellini says oh I wasn't I really admire you as a manager done Case closed, finished. So, um, just another, first of all, just another example would be like a couple of times Pochino clashed a tiny bit on the touchline. And obviously, we all love that. We'd all get behind him, right? When you, yeah, yeah. When you, when you believe in your coach, when you've got, especially when it's about the team, right? Yeah. He's defending the honor of the team and not yeah. yourself as an individual. There's a you difference there. You love it. Mm. Um, Deserby has now been sent off three times this season. He's he now has. got a bit of a history of doing this. He, I have spoken before that he, he has fallen out with several players. Um, Sanchez hasn't been back in the lineup, I don't think, for yeah for several yeah. weeks. So you to know. be fair, Steele is really good with his feet, so I do get that. Yeah, yeah. Sanchez isn't bad with his feet yeah. uh, at all. So, uh, hmm. so um, that's Deserby up. That's it. We the extra inch podcast will will not back Deserby. Fair enough. I didn't want another Italian. You, anyway. you, you don't want another Italian. No, I don't want an alpha male over the top. I mean, um, I'm I'm being slightly sardonic. It's like all managers are going to be somewhat alpha male, and that's fine. I don't want someone who like puts themselves above the club in that way. Like he, him getting sent off happened. Did that happen at one all? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It did, yeah, yeah. they gone to lose the game. I, don't, I think it's not helpful to not have your manager there when you're chasing again. When you try chasing three points, did um did Stellini getting sent off help Tottenham? Where <laughs> mm, that's, that's so. Um, my immediate thing would be that um Mason can't bring Lucas on <laughs> like if he wanted to, <laughs> right? If if Lucas hadn't been sent off, <laughs> would Mason have brought him on? I would like Windy to speculate on that. <laughs> Oh god, I think he probably would have done. <laughs> he's he's fast, isn't it, Nathan? He's really fast. <laughs> For the same reason he brought on Tanganga, who nearly gave away a penalty. I didn't understand that. Oh, I man. thought that was quite a smart move at the time, to be fair. Perisic was getting toasted every mm. time down that side. Tidal, Tanganga's man. a better defender. Fresh March legs. is really good. Like sorry, March is a good player. Yeah, yeah. Um And would and you... I think Tanganga, like I'm being generous perhaps. I don't think he'd have made that that's tackle if he were inside the box. I think he made a tackle because he was outside the box. Okay. Uh, but it was rash. 
It made me hold my breath. What did you think of Dan Juma? I thought he had a really positive impact. Bit of energy. Um, gives him good movement. Um, it's, yeah, the energy. And I think the movement is the, is the crucial thing. Like, found good spaces to move into. Sun moved thought, over to the right when Dan Juma came on, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah. What did you what What do you think the reason was for that? Sun's better on the right than Dan Juma is, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I thought it Dan was interesting. Juma had a really positive impact. I really liked um, his energy. I thought his energy helped us out a lot. I thought he was mm. key in in our goal. He started the press, which was something he mm. played a lot higher up than than Kulusevski was. It was his kind of leading of the press that, that forced Brighton into the mistake that allowed the turnover. Um, I'm not saying that he's like messy or anything, but I do like his energy and his his kind of desire. So I think that helped us a lot. Mm, yeah. Anything else either of you would like to say about the Brighton game? Yeah. Um, stop passing it around the back, Tottenham. Really, really stop doing it because it's pointless. Between Lloris and Dyer, they can't do it, and it, it just causes us trouble. Fair. I'm, I'm sorry to get all proper football man, but we we have we can't be passing it around the back with those two. Mm. Um, any Brighton players? Take your fancy, Nathan. Um, oh, good question. Well, I I did really like Bobby Sanchez. Um, mm, same. Now I now I think he'll fall out with our ma- next manager, Deserby. No, um, <laughs> now I'm questioning his ability with his feet. Maybe that's something to go and look at. I don't know. Um, who else? Um, we we need a sort of a, a controlling ball progressing number eight and. Don't think Casado is is quite that. He's really good, but he's really good. Sure. He actually was. He had quite an error prone game, I thought. Yeah, but yeah, he's really fair. good. Oh, Colwell, really the the left centre back, who's oh, probably on Chelsea's book still, right? Yeah. Or did he buy him? Is there a buyback there? I feel. I feel like. Let me have a look. No, he's on loan. Oh, he's on loan. Right. Well, yeah. Fuck, great. <laughs> yeah, he's one I I had mentioned a few times before he went to Brighton that. Like if we could somehow prize him away from Chelsea, he'd be a really good signing. He he had a good game. Um, Stupinan is is superb, absolutely superb. Um, I really like Alexis McAllister. He was terrible in this game, absolutely terrible. Mm. Uh, but Bardi's favourite, Matoma, had such Oof. a strong game. What a player he is! What a dribbler! I've loved him since since we first played him last season. He came off the bench for a cameo, and he was just gliding through everybody. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's great mm. back to goal. He's great running forward. Good understanding of space. He's he's. If we were to replace a forward like Son, I think someone like Matoma would be a perfect swap because he he's just so comfortable on the ball, much more comfortable than Sonny. Um, yeah, he was he was it was a joy to watch him. There's a few players which I've kind of enjoyed watching in the flesh this season, or or been look, looking forward to seeing. He was definitely one of them. Mm. Anyone else stand out to you, buddy, from Brighton's team? Lewis Dunk, like him. He's um, everything Dyer wishes he was. <laughs> Absolutely bullet header as well, wasn't it? Bosh. I mean, I'm not sure where Larice was going for that, for that corner. I'm not sure where the rest of our defence were, but um, it was a it was a powerful header. It was a proper like that was a rustic header smack. Yeah, he was completely unmarked. And then the next corner skips the one marking him. I mean, what the hell's going on there? <laughs> Ridiculous choice of marker. Anyway, um, so we've been talking about potential managers. We're definitely going to talk about Poch because there were some Pochettino chants. But before we do that, Spurs have made an appointment this week, and that is a chief football officer, Scott Munn. Um, it seems like from all the reporting that this is, and, and the way that Spurs described it, this is something that Daniel Levy thought was really important. They've reviewed the structure. They feel they need someone to be chief football officer to, in theory, allow Daniel Levy to perhaps back away from some of the football operations. And Scott, R- Scott Munn's remit, it seems, will be to run the football side of the business. Now, from what I know of him, from a bit of research and from a bit of inside information, is that he is has primarily got experience on the commercial side of the business of businesses so i think this is a really interesting appointment and um i wonder if i wonder if daniel levy finds it really hard to uh he's so interested in the commercial side obviously he is a businessman he wants to generate revenue for the company that he is the, the in charge of and he i wonder if he finds it really hard to look away from that he sees someone uh applying i don't know if it's an application process applying for this role with such a strong commercial background and he just thinks mm, yeah this guy's this guy talks a good game he knows he's on my wavelength um proven track record of generating 
income for his previous clubs and doing it well. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him being chief football officer. Any any thoughts, Nathan? Um, yeah, when I when I first sort of thought about this, I thought, ah, oh, this is this. I read the term um, chief football officer, and I thought, okay, this is um, this is a very clever way of sacking Peratici without sacking Peratici, <laughs> right? You you create a new position ahead of him. You've got all of this um, uh, structure that's been that's been built by him underneath him, and then you can just sort of depower his position over time or or rapidly. Um, and therefore, you don't have to deal with a wrongful dismissal if he's later found to be innocent or whatever. Then I looked into who Scott Munn was and I asked around and did some reading and I found out, yeah, this guy's definitely not a football guy. Mm. So I thought, oh my God, have we put a, have we put a non-football guy into a footballing position? And I thought, surely not. So we've created a new position. It's co- It's got football in the name, but it's a commercial position. We haven't solved the Paratici situation. What we've done is we've put sort of Daniel Levy light in between mm. Daniel Levy and Paratici. Um, I, I guess, you know, we've been calling for a long time for distance between Levy and football, and, and this is that, but um, it's just putting another non-football guy mm. in a midway point. I'm very confused. I, I don't know. I'm very confused about what it is we're looking to achieve here, why we think this guy is, is the guy. Um Another Why, person yeah. told me that he's also not a data guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised, but like it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter because again, he shouldn't be, mm. he shouldn't be tightly involved with with football at all. Mm. Um, so he was, he was involved in um, Aussie rugby and the Olympics, and then later Aussie football, um, and then he he became the CEO of um, Melbourne Hearts. And they were quite, they were okay. <laughs> they they weren't great. And then they got bought out by City and became Melbourne City. He was there for a little while longer, staying in position under City. Um, and they didn't improve that much. They moved him on to the, the City Football Group China gig. Uh, Melbourne City got better in his absence by, by some way. And now they, they're going to win their third championship back-to-back by the look of things. Um so I mean, technically, um, City's Chinese side have been a success because they've gone up two leagues. But one of them, they went up from mid-table um, because they were looking to sort of found the second league, or which is actually the third league, I think. And then they got promoted to what is essentially um, the second league because all of the teams around them, or half the teams around them, um, weren't paying their players in the middle of the pandemic. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they've they've gone up, but uh, you know I I don't have any any depth of analysis of what he's done well or not done well there. But I'm just I'm just confused. I'm just confused about about what he's meant to do, what he's meant to do differently, um, how involved with football he's going to be, and why if he is. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. The the fact he's not a data guy doesn't worry me so much. I don't think he's going to go in out watching players and making decisions on him. I think he's he been put in be. place. Yeah, I mean, he's been put in place to, this is a quote from Levy, to um, install best practice both on and off the pitch. So he'll be in place to hire the people that know what they're looking at and what they should be looking at. So maybe it is a kind of slight tweak to the um, director of football approach. Yeah, I guess the reason I mentioned the data guy thing is because when he's hiring those people... I kind of want him to be hiring people who are data guys. I want him to be a little biased towards the people who have done things based on data and information rather than vibes. Um, well, I think but that's not to say he won't. Success, no. He's going to look at who, where they've worked and how they've how that team has performed and go for it on that. And yeah, I don't think he's too bothered how it's done. He just wants people that have been able to successfully scout individuals or build teams. Hmm. He's got a big remit, that's for sure. Uh, good luck to him. Hope he does. Hope he does really well for us. Um, before we talk Poch. For 2023, we are once again partnered with Athletic Greens. So over to Bardi. I started taking AG1 because my health is important to me. I like the finest ingredients in my body. Do you know what the difference between Spurs and AG1 is, Windy, my friend? No. Spurs are white, AG1 are green. That's an astute point, my pal, but it's more than that. Athletic Greens have their backroom staff sorted out. They know who's doing the picking, the selecting and the delivering. They're obsessed about sourcing high quality superfoods at their ideal harvest time to optimise their nutrient content. 
Everton. They're not loaning Dan Juma or buying midfield cloggers. They're putting the best ingredients in their little sachets. Trust AG1 to give you the best and deliver quality every day. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery. And Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover, which cost him over $100 a day. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So during the Brighton game, we heard Maurizio Bottettino's name being sung by what felt like a lot of the stadium. Even um, the pool sandwich the seats. Case. Mm. Did, it, did it really take off, Bardi? It was pretty strong. So when, when we got knocked out of Champions League to Milan, there were individuals singing it as people were exiting the stadium. I've seen the video yeah. and that video has got the mic turned right up. You can hear the interference in the back. It wasn't that many. But this was the, this was the first time that there's been a, a concerted effort by a lot of individuals to sing it. And it's almost like, I don't think it's almost, I don't think it's Pochettino himself. I think it's the idea and the hope of getting a manager in that knows what they're doing. It's almost like, give us a manager similar to Pochettino rather than Pochettino himself. And I think that was, as we were watching us just get bossed across the pitch, I think that was it. That was, it was the kind of desperation to have a manager in place and not a caretaker manager who'd just been sent off. Mm. So we've got loads of questions about Poch, as you'd expect. Alec Dukrinsky says, I often hear the refrain that it's too early to go back to Poch, as if Pochettino will always be available as a potential hire when Spurs have a managerial opening. I'm not quite sure where fans get the idea that Poch will always be hanging around and willing to jump at Tottenham's request. Honestly, to me, it seems naive, if not outright ridiculous. A manager with world-class potential who plays exciting football and truly cares about the club and the fans, but he can wait until we're ready. How spoiled are we? In any case, here's my question. If it's now or never for Poch, how would each of you vote? Hire Pochettino back now or go forward knowing you'll never be able to hire him again. I thought that was a really interesting point. We kind of just um, assume that he's always going to want to come back to Spurs. Um, and we don't know that's the case. This It does feel like it could could be now or never. We're, we're waiting for a manager. Pochettino's out of a job. If he gets another job and excels, he might move beyond our reach, possibly. Um, if it's now or never, Bardi, I'm going to ask you first. Would you rehire him now? Um, no, I wouldn't rehire him. I understand the, the clamour for it and understand what it would mean and the feeling that everything would bring, but I'm just I'm just not sure it's going to work. Just because it worked once to an extent, I don't think it needs to repeat again. I think Tottenham, we're constantly looking backwards. I think we need to move forward. We've made some mistakes and I think we just need to improve and do something better, do something different. Nathan, where where are you on this one? Now or never? I suspect it probably is now or never. I feel like he wants the job, right? Oh, we need to talk about um, Jesus Perez's laptop, by the way. Um, if you didn't see it, you, did you not see it, Wendy? Oh, my days. No, okay. I've not seen this. Okay, so um, Jesus Perez, he, he, he did a tweet that was... Um, uh, Ooh, explaining Twitter functions live on a podcast. It was to someone. Okay. It was to uh, a provider of a of an analytical tool, um, as if it were a reply, and therefore not really aimed at for everyone being able to see it. I see. Okay? But, but also, also not a private message, right? That place in between where if you follow both accounts, you'll see it. Anyway. This um this service provider of some sort of thing, um, he sent them pictures of two laptops of him using their product, but also, <laughs> also he's got other tabs open. So the other tabs were um five thirty eight predicted Premier League for this season, <laughs> a Sammy Mockbell piece on why no one wants the Spurs job, and the transfer marks page for uh. Uh, oh, what's the name? The former Everton guy in our stuff, Greta Steinson or whatever it is. Steinson. Steinson. Greta Steinson. Um, which is, which is hilarious, right? I mean, that sets some hairs running. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Can it's... we work with this guy is, is what people are yeah, going to assume, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Do we know anything about him? What's he been up to? Ooh. So... Um... What's his phone number so I can give him a ring? <laughs> 
So yeah, I, I think that I think that they want the gig. The whole the whole gang wants to come back, and I think that if we turn them down, then you know they're not going to want it. it in the future. Then that's it. Then then things will be soured. So I do think it's now or never. Um, for me, it's a matter of are you going to work with the director of football or not? I think if he is, then he's a top candidate. I think if he's not, then then he's a, a mid candidate. I think it's as simple as that. And uh, I don't know. I'd I'd really love to try to sit down and have a talk and be persuasive and go back and forth and argue it out um, and say, look, man, we can really we can really do something. We can really build something special. But you've you've got to you've got to give up some power and and trust in the process. And also that means that you lose some some responsibility, right? If if we fail you in the transfer market, then we failed you and you complain to the press or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> but um I don't know, I, I think that he's a fantastic, fantastic coach still, obviously. Um if we but... sign him, if he comes back, he has to be given the, the players that he needs sure. to make it work. He needs he needs a goalkeeper. He needs a centre back. He needs a centre midfielder. So does anyone coming in? So everybody, it's, with all the managers we've had the last five years, including first round Pochettino, we've always needed that, and we've never given them. I would, if I was Pochettino, I wouldn't go near this job. I don't. I just, I wouldn't go near it unless. But even if he gets assurances, I'm sure Conte wouldn't have come in without the assurances. But um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't come near it if unless I was assured I was going to those players. Mm. We have the financial might. We've been spending at the right rate. You know, we 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 could be good. <laughs> we just need to change up our process a little bit. Mm. Well, well, Nathan's point about the the transfers and director football aspects uh, is echoed by Shane Clayton, who uh, points out in an email that he adores Pochettino as a man manager and coach, but I think his transfer history leaves much to be desired. Um, I also believe his transfer record at Southampton was pretty flawed, if memory serves. Um, and I think there's also a power dynamic at play there, because if you remember, Pochettino was hired as a head coach with the remit of coaching, and then midway through his journey with Spurs was given a greater responsibility and became, I think he had a job title change to yeah. manager. He became manager and then said that there was no difference, that he was, it was a lie all along. It would be very interesting for him to come back as head coach. It would feel like something has changed for us and him. And I don't know, he would need to accept that he's happy with that. I think he would, if he were to come back, he would need to come back as head coach only and work within a structure. And I would be absolutely thrilled for that to happen. Absolutely thrilled for that to happen. Um, and so I'm sort of saying the same thing as Nathan. Yes, but there's a there's a big caveat there. Um, he took the PSG job as a head coach. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder how he felt about that. Well, maybe he's like, I never want to do that again because they mm. got me. You know, your experience of working with director of football is um, he loads you up with three of the best forwards the game has ever seen, but none of them can do any pressing. Mm. And your whole thing is a pressing-based game. And everyone's saying, you've got the three best attackers in the world. Why aren't you just blowing teams away with your incredible scoring mm. prowess? <laughs> Then uh, that might leave a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Well, let's let's run with this for a moment. Let's let's mm -hmm. suggest let's let's pretend that Pochettino is coming home. Uh, Jay Benner twelve says, if Poch resigns, which I think will happen, which of the players that you would previously have wanted to get rid of do you want to keep? And John Youngblood says, purely hypothetical and at risk of annoying Bardi. But if there was a Pochettino return at Spurs in the near future, do you think he'd want another crack at Tongi and Dombele and or Gio Lo Celso? Or do you think he or our recruitment team would look elsewhere? So, <laughs> uh, any players, Bardi, that you, you think you'd like to keep that you previously would have wanted to get rid of for Pochettino to work with? I think he, I think if he does come back, he'll have another crack with Celso. That's the that's the only one I see. Um, and Dombele, I think his comments recently and everything else, I think he's he's done at Tottenham. I don't think he'll ever come back. But I think Celso will be given a go. And who do I want to leave? The the usual Sanchez, Dyer, <laughs> Lloris. Um, we can keep Huyberg on the bench, and yeah, everybody else can yeah, everyone else can be moved on. What about Regalon? If we're going to play a back four, then perhaps. But I don't. He hasn't really. He's been injured most of the time at Atletico, I think, and he's not really. We haven't heard much about him, which is always a bad sign. Uh, but perhaps I think I. I think he'll work better than Sessignon as a left back for sure. And we saw what Pochettino did with our full backs previously. Uh, the improvements in their game that he brought about. Um, and Regalon 
really strikes me as someone who just needs some good coaching, especially the decision making. Everything was so hurried for him in the final third. It never felt like it never felt like he was attacking the final third at the right moment. It felt like he was arriving in the library a bit too early or a bit too late, and his decision making was thrown off by that. Um, so maybe a little coaching around the edges there could really help him develop. Nathan, how about you? Which players would you want to keep Pochettino to mess about with? I think that like um, Ndombele is written off unless it's Pochettino as the next coach. Like, the only way there's a way back in for him and probably Lo Celso um, is if it's Pochettino. I think Hill coming back could be good for a number of managers. Regulon, wow, man. What strange career he's had. So he's, he's yeah. been badly injured for most of the last year. Um, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really mystified by, um, by Regulon's career. I was so, so pleased when we brought him in. I thought mm. we'd brought in one of the best left backs in the world, like a top five left back in the world. And, uh, he definitely didn't live up to that. And I thought there were some mitigating circumstances, um, with Mourinho, but then also didn't do especially well with Conte. And now, mm. Now he is now he's got the sort of orange flag of being very frequently very badly injured. And man, I feel for him, you know, but um we probably just need to offload him and move on. Mm-hmm. Any other players stand out as as players that Poch, that Poch could work with? Um Poro maybe is a is a candidate for, for being able to play in the back four under Poch, you know, perhaps. Uh Basuma is is yeah, a possible shout to be uh um an option but again not that sort of um match controlling dominant ball progressing uh, wonder midfielder um but the other one i think um i think i think that we need a lot of change in the squad regardless of who comes next because of the way that yeah. we shaped it for conte specifically and yeah. the way that we made a mess of it prior to that so yeah center backs will be absolutely critical won't they yeah but that's the case if whatever manager we hire we we have to sign a competent left center back yeah. Or if we play a back four, we need a, a, a centre-back that can play in a two alongside Romero. Mm, yeah, for sure. We also need some creativity. So it leads me on to our last question this week, which is from Greg Krieg, who says, I've been a Spurs supporter since the early 2000s. During our best or my favourite periods, there have been, there's been one constant, a creative midfielder. They've come in different shapes and sizes. There was Carrick, then Alal before Modric. After him, there was Eriksen. We had so many wonderful forwards during this period, but the truly enjoyable teams all featured this kind of player. I'd argue here that Bale without Modric and Kane without Eriksen got us decent results and world-class performances, but also stagnation. All of which is to say, can we please sign a true number 10? I think it should be, forgive me, talked about more and just generally be a higher priority for the club, no matter the manager. Um, James Madison, what do we think? Is he going to sign for Spurs? Do you think he fits the profile? How do you rate Madison? Buddy, are you a Madison fan? Uh, yeah, I like him. I think he's I think he's good. But I'd, I'd just like to comment, between Carrick and Modric, there was an individual who I think was probably one of the best passers at Tottenham, but he just, just did, never really worked for him, Huddleston. He was an incredible central midfielder who, who could do everything. Left foot, right foot, diagonals. He hit some of the most incredible passes that, that I've ever seen. I've heard people talk about how Hoddle would just loft these passes. And it, it was very similar. I remember him hitting one. And as it hit the ball, as it hit the ground, there was just backspin on it. We just stopped it dead. And players like Defoe and Keane, they, they, they really enjoyed it. So there was a shout there. Perhaps <laughs> in a different time in a three, he would have worked. In a two, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't. It, yeah, I mean... <sighs> He was kind of a bit like Xabi Alonso light, but I think the problem with Huddleston was he had the long-range passing game perfected, absolutely to a tee off both feet. But the volume passing, the short passing, the kind of give-and-go passes just weren't quite there for him in the same way that it would were for a brilliant midfielder like Xabi Alonso, and that, that always held him back. But what a range of passing he had, so creative. Yeah, we do kind of pass over him and, and forget about him. When I was doing the um, extra inch advent calendar, came to him, you just you just remember back to his moments. Yeah. Um, can we sign a true number 10? I don't know. Is there anything, is our true number 10s, do they still exist in the kind of classical well, sense? Do, do you see Madison as a true 10? That's an interesting discussion point. Is, is he more of a 8-10 hybrid? He's like, um, so after, we often, well, our Discord talks about Mason Mount quite a lot. And um, he's that kind of new version of a number 10 who kind of plays not up front, but not in midfield, in between the lines. Obviously, he doesn't kind of have the creativity, but he does have the, the, sh- the shooting output, at least, of, mm. a, of, a, of a number 10. Perhaps he's a more kind of modern version of one. Mm. Nathan, how do you feel about Madison? I think he's pretty good. I think he's good. I think um, 
He seems like a Spurs level player, right? Yeah. Yeah, there or thereabouts, I think. Um, when I, back in January, when I did my list of sort of creative players who I had in mind to be backups to Kulosevsky, um, they were more of that profile, right? More players who would carry the ball, players who would drift wide rather than traditional Matens. So I don't have great um, suggestions, but I do think that there are better options out there than Madison. Obviously, Madison has the advantage of being homegrown. Yeah, um, definitely going to be a thing for us. Yeah, I really like Elise, and oh, he's he, so good. He is one of those players who who profiles somewhat similarly to to Kulusevski, and they they both play out on the right a lot. Um, but I just think Elise is is that good. You can play him as number ten. You can play him as number eight. Um, uh, and the same could be said as Kulusevski. To be fair, like he could, he's versatile too. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think Elise is one of my top options. I think there are. I I have, I have to do some work, but I. Th- feel like Madison's a good option, but there's probably better ones at the price point we're going to be looking at. Uh, and I'll have to come back to you on who those actually might be. What I quite like about Madison is his output. His output is incredible for a team. Absolutely. That is really faulty. He he, he scores and assists. I, I do quite mm-hmm. like that. He, there's, another, there's another bonus with James Madison as well, and that is he is an excellent set-piece taker. True. Something we are severely lacking in. I, I mean, I think that's something that shouldn't go unnoticed. I think... We've done some great work with set pieces this year, thanks to Vio, and that could be elevated still by having a set piece taker as good as James Madison. It's, it's a useful benefit. I mean, he's also a fantastic finisher. He He's known for uh, creative passing, and I think he is a good creative passer, but I do think, as Bardi points out, his finishing is really, really good, top-notch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that is... It just seems to fit to me. I, I, I totally understand Nathan's point that they could be better. I am a huge fan of Lise and have been before since before he joined Palace. Um, but I think Madison fits in terms of the price point, the sort of pre-peak age, the homegrownness. Coming from um, a club that's had European experience but not Champions League experience, I, I just feel like he's on the up. He's moving in the right direction. The trajectory is there. At the same time, hopefully Spurs' tra- trajectory will be there. And I, I like the fit. He'll know a lot of our players already from the England squad. You know, I like it as a move. I really like it. So would you put a midfield free of Madison, Bentico and Basuma? Would that? Would you go with that? I think that's a really nice balance of qualities. Right. Really Get nice mix. Get it done, Wendy. Have a word. Just sort it out. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think this is like such an obvious transfer. Um, it's been Leicester in some t- turmoil at the moment as well. Like it's the right time for him to leave Leicester. They're done. And, They're going and, down. Yeah. Get it done, you had it here first. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barley, and our tactics guy, Nate If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub. We love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Thank you.